Welcome to the West Point Church Podcast. Here you can find past and future messages. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates as soon as those sermons are posted. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good week. There's a lot of space in between the different messages that we're teaching because it's a really long book, right? There's so much in there. And as we're going to find out as we study this passage today, there was so much about the life of Jesus that was amazing and wonderful and incredible that wasn't even written down. And and someday when uh, we're in it, in eternity with Jesus Christ, we're going to be able to know the fullness of His time here on this earth and His full story. Uh, but what what I would encourage you to do if you if you haven't been doing this so far, spend some time each week just reading through the passages that we're studying together. Um, We're going about a chapter at a time, but just try to follow along with us because you get such a better understanding of everything that's going on if you study it and if you read it for yourself as well. I mean, we've missed... the a couple teachings of Jesus in in Luke chapter eight and Jesus calming a storm uh, on the the Sea of Galilee and um, Jesus healing a man with the demon and Jesus healing um, the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus's daughter and, and all of these different things that were going on and uh, maybe you you're familiar with those passages or not, but it just helps to understand the context of what we're, we're talking about here and the life of Jesus. And the beauty of Luke is that it really is a chronological telling of the life of Jesus. So um, Luke chapter 9, and we're going to start here. And this is the first time that Jesus has actually sent out other people to do ministry. We've seen him for the first eight chapters of this book doing ministry and his disciples alongside him, watching him and, and partnering with him. But here he's, he's sending them out. And we're going to look at two different passages where he sends people out in ministry. We're going to start with this one uh, in verse one. It says, and he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Now that's, that's a pretty finite statement there, right? Like there's not a lot of wiggle room there. It's not like, well, he gave them authority to do some things and to heal some diseases. No, it was over all demons and to cure diseases, period right? That's the authority that comes from Christ. The Bible tells us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that did that lives inside of you and me. And so when he commissioned his disciples to go, he didn't just say, okay, go and do the best you can. He said, no, I'm going to give you my authority and you're going to do what I do. And really, that's the call of Christianity, that we as Christians, Christian, the word Christian means little Christ, okay? That was a name that was given to the Christians in Antioch in the, in the early church. And, and basically, the idea was these people were doing what Jesus did. Now, I guess I just want us to take kind of a, a picture of what the church looks like today and what the, what the typical believer looks like today. Can we honestly say that? about ourselves. Are we a representation of who Christ was to this world? Because that's ultimately what he's calling us to do. And I think that's really the foundational principle as we look at these sending passages. Like that's what Jesus is telling us to do. He's, He's saying, do what I did. Do what I did. Now, 
to some of you, that might be like, yeah, that's awesome. That's exciting. That's empowering. I have his authority. I've been commissioned by him. I'm ready to go. And some of you are thinking, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> right. And, and I'll be honest. There are many moments in my life where I've looked at what God has called me to do and sat there and thought, I don't think I can do that. Right. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that God is patient with me and he's patient with you. And when you're feeling like a failure and when you're feeling like you can never accomplish what God has called you to do, I want you to know that he's patient, that he's understanding, that he's walking with you on this journey and your hope and, and, and everything that, that potentially good can come out of your life is in him. It's not your responsibility to do the actual work. It's just your responsibility to be obedient to what he's called you to do. All right, let's keep going. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not, and, and do not have two tunics. All right, so one change of clothes. All right. And whatever you, whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there, depart. Like you would have a choice in that, right? You gotta, unless you're just gonna hang out forever. And wherever you do, wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So a couple things that I want us to notice before we jump into the other passage where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. Um, first of all, uh, it's he tells them, don't bring your staff or your bag, or your bread. Don't bring your carry-on luggage even. Just wear the clothes on your back. Go with nothing. Just get ready to go. Get ready to leave. And, and I think the lesson that we have to learn here is not that anytime you go and do ministry that you should go completely empty-handed. But you need to, Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that the provision that they needed to do the work that he called them to do was exactly what he gave them, not what they brought. So we as believers are called to fulfill this incredible mission that God has given to us. And it can be intimidating and it can be overwhelming and we can feel insufficient. And can I tell you something? You are. I know that's not like the most positive, affirming message that you probably wanted to hear this morning, but frankly, yeah, you're totally insufficient to do what God has called you to do. So am I. We are all just woefully inadequate, all right? But the good news is that Jesus gave you everything that you need to fulfill the purpose that he's called you to. So you don't have to be fearful. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder if I'm adequately prepared. He's given you what you need. And he made that point to the disciples by saying, don't even bring two changes of clothes. Like, just go and watch how I provide for you. And we're going to find out in the next passage we read that that's everything that they needed. Um, the second thing uh, that I want us to notice is that uh, when he says, and wherever they do not receive you, when you leave the town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Now, 
I, I've read that passage before, and I just, I've struggled to understand exactly why he told them to do that. And just being completely honest, I don't fully understand why he told them to do that. Uh, because, like, the character of God is not, not the character of somebody who gives up on people, right? We hear the story, and we're about to get there in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son, where the father is waiting every single day for his son to return. So it's not like God's like, okay, humanity, you got one shot. And if you, if you don't receive the message, death and destruction, it's, it's there, it's there for you. Like I'm, there's no second chances, right? Our God is a God of second chances and he gives hope and he gives life and he doesn't give up on people easily. But um, I think there's the significance there is more the lesson that he's teaching the disciples as he tells them to go into this home. And if they don't receive them, it, it's, it's the idea that we're not responsible for making the gospel come alive in someone's heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that work for us. So we have the responsibility of sharing that message of hope. We have the responsibility of preaching the message of the gospel. And if it's not received, it is not your responsibility to try to twist it and work it around into a way where it can be received, even though it's not the true gospel anymore. Right? It, and that, what that does, that takes all the pressure off of you. It's not your work, it's his. It's not your calling, it's his. It's not your ministry. In fact, uh, Jesus is very clear that, that the work of the harvest is done by the Father. It's his work. It's your responsibility to sow seed, like we talked about last week. You don't have to, um, you don't have to like sit there and, and worry and wonder, did I do it right? And I think that's that's one of the biggest fears that prevents people from sharing the message of the gospel with others. They're so worried that they're going to do it in a wrong way, that they're going to mess it up somehow. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't work hard at presenting the gospel in an effective manner and developing those tools, but the only way you develop those abilities to share the gospel effectively is by doing it poorly. All right. Think about that for a second. Uh, I've had multiple conversations with my kids in the last couple of weeks on this very topic, not talking about sharing the gospel, but just just about different things um, that, that they've been struggling with. And, and their, their struggle is they don't want to do it wrong. Right. They don't want to look bad. They don't want to be embarrassed. Uh, and my encouragement to them has just been, listen, you only get better by trying and failing. Right, and that's true in every aspect of life. There are going to be times when you go to to do ministry, and you're just going to feel like I couldn't have done that any worse than I did. Right, I couldn't have messed that up any more than I did. But you know what? God can still use that. Right? God can still take our brokenness and our failure and our inadequacy and turn it into something beautiful. And Jesus' message to his disciples here is not your responsibility to do it perfectly. It's just your responsibility to be obedient and to be faithful and to use what I've given you. And, you know, I think it's interesting that, that he told them, um, proclaim the kingdom of God and heal. Right? One of the most powerful things that we can do as a believer is, is pray for people. Because 
Can I tell you something? People are much more receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ when they've been healed from a disease or an illness. Uh, It's an incredible thing. When they see the power of God in their life, then it opens up the door. Um, Again, sometimes we're so scared and so intimidated by the fact that if we pray for them and they don't get healed, what's going to happen? Then then they're going to struggle to believe. That's not your responsibility. You're not the great physician. He is. Right? So just take a bold step of faith and, and pray for somebody who, who needs a touch from God. And what's the worst thing that would happen? They, they don't get healed. But if they do, think about the possibilities there. Think about how God could use that. We're people of faith. We don't walk around in fear, worrying about what might not happen. Right? If we lived life that way, we would never get anywhere. But we're a people of faith because we know how big our God is. And so if we have the confidence to walk into a situation and to pray a prayer of faith and to believe God to do something incredible, that's when he can use us, right? That's when he can do something incredible through our life. Can I tell you there's nothing more fulfilling than seeing God use you in that way? than having a chance to pray for someone and seeing them be restored to health, to, to um, have a chance to share the gospel with someone and to lead them to Christ. Uh, once, once you do that, once you see that it's addicting, you're going to want to do it more, right? And, it, and it, takes, it takes some faith and it takes some courage to take that initial step. But when you see that fulfillment, you only are hungry for more. All right, so let's turn to this next chapter, Luke 10. And we're going to just keep going um, in, the, in the same way that he sent out the 12. Now he sends out a few more. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him. Now, before we go any further, I want us to understand something here. Um, these are not like mature Christian believers, like Following Jesus has, has not been a thing very long yet. This is early in his ministry. He's just beginning. And in fact, uh, this is the transition where um, something kind of shifts in the book of Luke. Uh, he, we, we spend less time talking about the miracles and the acts of Jesus and more time focusing on the things that he taught. Um, so from Luke 10 on, you're going to notice as you read through it, there's a lot more red if you have a Bible that has red letters for the words of Jesus. And we're spending a lot of time focusing on the words that he says and the things that he teaches. Now, there are still some stories of miracles that he did and um, things like that, but, but there's kind of a shift at this point in the book uh, because Jesus is recognizing that his time of ministry is is very brief on this earth. And so the things that he did were important in establishing who he was and establishing his his authority. And in the process of calling the 12 disciples, we we get to see uh, his work. But then we transition to this time of teaching because he's realizing that he needs to prepare others for ministry because he's not going to be able to continue to do this. He's going back into heaven and he's, he's equipping people to fulfill the calling that, that he was ultimately sent to do to, to continue the ministry that he started. 
And so in this short amount of time, he started with, with 12 and he sent them out first. And then he's like, listen, we need to multiply this thing. We need more people. And so this time the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Now, um, some of you maybe went with us when we went into uh, the Cedar Riverside neighborhood and ultimately followed this model. Uh, we went out two by two into that neighborhood and went and prayed with people and talked with people and, and prayed in that community. Um, that was taken directly from this passage. And uh, I'll be honest, I mean, there, there are some, some things about that that are intimidating, right? This was probably a huge step of faith for these people. They were probably not comfortable doing this. This is brand new to them. Um, they were brand new in following Christ. And he sent them out and said, said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know, I'll be honest, there are times when I look at our nation today and I think we are just facing a major uphill battle here. Like our world um, has had so much exposure to Christ, so much exposure to the message of the gospel. And there are so many people today that, that are just refusing to acknowledge the truth of the message of the gospel. And if you allow yourself to get into that thinking pattern and, and allow yourself to start processing things like that and thinking oh, about the hopelessness, about the, um, the frustration of the system of our world today, of, of our, the state of our nation, um, you, you allow your mind to get in a very dark place. But if you, if you start to see what God has done all around this world and you start to truly acknowledge the amazing things that are happening every single day in, in our world and, and how the, the gospel message is continuing to move forward and continuing to bear fruit and continuing to change lives and transform people. It, it changes your mindset. We don't look at our world today and see all the, the hopelessness and the brokenness and the rejection of Christ. We can look at it from the perspective of Christ and see that the harvest is plentiful, that there's, there is hope for our world today. There are people that, that are going to experience Christ, and we can be part of that process in leading them to that hope. And it can be an incredible, incredible thing. Um, so he says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to go out, to go send out laborers into the harvest. Now, there are not a lot of occasions in scripture where Jesus specifically tells us to pray for something. But right here, he gives us a command, pray for laborers. In other words, he had 72 people that were ready to go, and Jesus is saying, listen, there are a lot of people out there that need to hear the message of Christ, and this is not enough. 
So we need to pray that God would raise up more people, people that aren't even saved yet, right? We're not going to the synagogues and, and to all the different places where, where people study the word of God and they're prepared and they're educated in the correct way. No, we need to pray that people would save and radically transform people so that they can in turn go and affect their world for Christ. You know, one of the most incredible things that I've found as a pastor is some of the best evangelists are brand new believers because they, they're not at the place in their life where all their friends are Christians yet, right? We tend to, as we grow in our faith and as we become um, more comfortable in that, we tend to close off some of the circles of influence that, that we have in our world today, and we spend more time with people that think like us. That just naturally happens. So our closest friends and, and the people that, that we know the best are other believers. And, and it's not that that's wrong or that, that that's broken or, or something. That I mean, that's just you gravitate towards people that, that think and believe like you, and, and that happens. Um, but what's incredible is like somebody who's brand new to faith, when they, when they come and, and, and give their heart to the Lord, and then they start reaching their friends for Christ, uh, it's incredible how God can use somebody that doesn't have any training, that doesn't have the proper equipping process. It's just like they're ready to go, and they're willing to be used by God, and, and He does incredible things. Uh, that's why we shouldn't discount people based on their experience, based on uh, how long they've been attending church, based on how many Bible verses they've memorized, or, or how sound their doctrine is. Like God can use anyone who's willing to go. He's taking these people that are brand new, and He's sending them out sending them out. And, and, and listen how he's sending them out. So he says, pray earnestly uh, for laborers. Then verse three says, go on your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Anybody want to sign up for that missions trip? Right? Like, uh, okay, Jesus, I don't know if you're aware of this, but wolves eat lambs. <laughs> Like that is not like that is not like the way that that we would want to like go out like like we're thinking about the book of Ephesians we're putting on the armor of God we're ready to we're ready to slay some wolves right like I mean that's how we think but Jesus is saying no it's not about the amount of preparation that you have it's not about your ability to be convincing it's not about what you're bringing with you the tools that you have in your arsenal. You're going as lambs among wolves. And it is not easy for a lamb to evangelize a wolf, okay? I mean, think about that for a second. Like little sheep walking out in the forest, surrounded by wolves. He's got to talk his way out of that. Good luck, all right? Like, but that's the picture that Jesus paints, right? And it's not that that he's going to leave us unprotected, right? It's not that he's he's exposing us to get slaughtered. That's not the heart of God. But it, it's really emphasizing the heart and the attitude that we go with, that spirit of gentleness that we bring the message with. We're not going to, to beat someone into submission to Christ or to even outwit them or, or, or make them or convince them with our, with our wisdom, with our wise words. We're just going out and humbly presenting the truth. 
And it's their responsibility if they want to accept that message or not. And he told them the same thing that he told the disciples. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. Now, understanding that uh, as as a greeting, um, you know, shalom would be that that would mean peace to you. That would be a traditional greeting. So uh, you don't have to be weird when you're sharing the gospel. You don't have to like go up to some stranger and be like, peace be with you. They're going to be like, thanks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like you're weird, right? Just saying like, like greet them. Like, you know, um, and, and there is something with bringing the message of peace. Like that's, that's what the gospel message is. Um, not that we're being weird about it, but that we're just, we're just sharing that message of hope with people. Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in that same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Okay, now, if any of you been on a missions trip before, Right, raise your hand if you've been on a missions trip before. Um, I'll tell you right now, I've I've been on a few different missions trips, and um, some of the local cuisine is not always the most exciting and appetizing thing that you're ever going to eat. Now, what's Jesus' instructions as as he's sending these people out? Eat whatever they put in front of you. Now, that is not always um, an easy thing. I, I haven't had any like super crazy stuff that that I've had to eat, but uh, Laura was, I think it was in Guatemala, right? Yeah, they uh, they presented them. And it was this was a very like out in rural Guatemala, like these people hadn't seen white people before, and and so <laughs> this team of college students came and uh, they just rolled out the red carpet and they prepared this this soup for them, and and Laura gets this bowl of soup put in front of her. She looks down and there's a bug in the middle of her soup. How many of you would have been like, nope, okay, like, sorry, not going to do that. Uh-uh, no way. Laura just took her spoon, scooped that bug right out, threw it on the floor, and ate her soup, right? Um, because when we're bringing the message of the gospel, we don't want anything to be a stumbling block. So eat what they put in front of you, and don't feel bad about it either. You know, I, I spent uh, time in in Africa uh, a while back, um, a couple of years ago, and, and we had this dinner at this Bible college that uh, we dedicated a building there. And um, they prepared this this meal for us. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, it was, it was almost uncomfortable how well they treated us. Uh, we walked in and they're like, please, you go first. And so like we walked through the, the line before anybody else. These students that have been out there all day, I mean, first of all, like they, they had us sit like in the shade where everybody else was, was in the sun all day long, and, and they insisted that we eat first. And um, they had this incredible spread of food. And, uh, you know, I kept sitting here thinking like, you know what, like we're going to go back to the hotel tonight and eat another big dinner like let these students eat first. And, but they, they honored us in that way. And Jesus is saying, listen, 
don't feel bad when, when people want to honor you. Like that's, that's part of that process. You, your job is to be faithful and, and you honor them in return um, by allowing them to bless you in that way. So he says, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to your feet, we wipe against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. And I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. You know, this just shows how important sharing the message of the gospel is. Like, I mean, these are people that have heard God's message and are rejecting it. But how much more of our world has never even heard the hope of the gospel? Like, we need to have a sense of urgency in reaching the world with that message. And he specifically addresses a couple of cities. He says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty words, works done in you would have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon, though these are cities that God destroyed back in the Old Testament, than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades." Now, this is Capernaum. Like, this is where Jesus performed a bunch of miracles, where several of the disciples were called from, where uh, people followed him, and where he preached the Sermon on the Mount. Like, this is an important city. Um, but he's saying there were so many, even in that town, that rejected him. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me. The one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Again, it's not your responsibility to bring people to the place where they believe the truth. It's your responsibility to present the truth. Then, uh, and this is my favorite part of the passage, as we get ready to close, I'm going to have the worship team uh, come back up this morning. Verse 17, it says, The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. This is what's incredible about this. Like, I, I love uh, when people come back from missions trips, seeing their response and seeing what happens because they get so excited. You know, when we're obedient to do what God has called us to do, he shows up. He does things. Uh, he, he works in incredible ways. And, and so these people came back from their, their little trip and, and they came back and they're like, yeah, it was like you said, Jesus, like even the demons listen to us. How awesome is that? Here's how Jesus responds. He says, I saw Satan fall from like lightning from heaven. Now, understand what he's saying here. This, this is really critical here. He's saying, listen, yeah, it's cool that the demons listen to you that they responded to uh, your voice because you have my authority. You saw some battles won. You saw some soldiers go down. But can I tell you something? I saw the commander-in-chief fall from heaven. 
right? The reason that you're seeing victory today in these little battles is because the big battle was already won by me. I took care of their leader. He fell from heaven. And behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. He's not talking about snakes and bugs. Okay, we're, we're talking about demons here. This is spiritual authority. I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. So you might be going out like a lamb, but you're no lamb, right? You walk out with his authority. You walk out with power. And the enemy, which is not the wolves, by the way, okay? Like, we're going out among people that, that are maybe even hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they are not our enemy. Our enemy is a spiritual enemy. And nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Right? Don't gloat in the fact that, that you have my authority. Rather, um, and that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Isn't that the, the key there? It's not about what you accomplish and what you do. Rather, our hope, our peace, our identity is found in the fact that you are his. So take joy in that, and the rest will fall into place as a result. As we close today, I'm going to ask us, we're going to have the worship team sing a song and lead a song, and we're going to talk about the greatness of God, and, and it, it's, an, it's an incredible truth, but I want us to do what Jesus called these, these followers to do. Not that we're going to pair up and go out today, but we're going to do what he initially called us to do. We're going to pray for, for laborers. Because there's a world out there today, there are still millions and millions of people that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ, and that is not okay. And so we need to pray that God would raise up people who are willing to go and share that message. Even in this country today, uh, even in, in the fact that we've been a Christian nation uh, where like Christianity is the predominant religion in our nation since our existence. But despite that, today we have unreached people groups in our very country. People that are growing up and never hearing the truth of the message of Jesus Christ. That's not okay. Our college campuses right now are places that are devoid of truth. They're, they're lacking people to share that love with those students. They're becoming places of, of um, like atheistic worship, essentially. We have areas of our country where, where the truth is just not there. And so we need people that, that will raise up and will do what God has called them to do and be obedient to the call of God in their life. So I'm going to ask that we would stand together. And as, as they're singing this song, um, we'll join in in just a little bit. But can we just take a second and spend some time in prayer that God would, would raise up people who are willing to go? And maybe he's speaking to your heart today. Maybe he's talking to you specifically and calling you the, to, to, 
take a leap of faith. Maybe it's just sharing his love in your community. And, and, and that's something that we're all called to do, by the way, not just specific people. Like God has called you to be a light wherever you're at and to share his love with people. But maybe he's calling you to take a step of faith and to be a part of a mission strip or, or maybe even to consider going into missions full time. We never know unless we ask, right? Give, give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to speak to you. And let's pray that God would raise up laborers. Let's do what Jesus commanded us to do as we close this morning.